This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my apartment with a great guest. She is a returning guest. Uh, She's an arts and culture professional, a docent, and other nouns, Jen Levitt. Hello. I'm so excited to be back. This is... I'm so excited. Good. I've been thinking about it all week. Oh, good. I'm excited that you're here. Uh, every time that you've been on the podcast, this is your third appearance. It's the first time you talked about Frank Lloyd Wright, mm-hmm. and then you brought up the murder houses. Like, okay, you got to come back to talk about the murder house. Very important murder houses. <laughs> and then we'll talk about this topic. But I struggle with your nouns every time. Docent's fine, because I understand that. You, yes. You give tours at the Hollyock House. Yes. But you have had a couple different jobs since I've known you. And you explain them using words, and then I'm like, what's the noun, though? What's the <laughs> what's, one noun, like firefighter? What's the noun? Um, I So my current title is Director of Product Development, which actually has a meaning as opposed to other times I've told you words, and <laughs> everyone's like, those are words I understand, but not together. Um, but no, that's my official title now. I work for a software company. Um, so I'm, I'm just, a, I, I don't code though. Everyone's like, oh, so you're, you know how to code. I'm like, absolutely not under no circumstances. I'm not that smart. Um, but no, I work for a software company that works for the arts. So we, um, help you buy tickets to, um, you know, Hamilton okay. or, or maybe not Hamilton, but you know, shows and fun things that you like to go do. Okay. So what is the noun director? <laughs> uh, executive. Uh, Let's say arts and cultural, like, okay, let me start over. (laughs) This is going poorly. Um, Arts and cultural strategist. How about that? Strategist, nice. Let's say that, because, like, strategy is really what I'm up to. Okay. So do you, like, talk to clients who need code and then go, hey, talented code humans, do this? I do talk to talented code humans, um, sometimes known as engineers. I do talk (laughs) to theaters and dance companies and symphonies about what our software does now and what they wish it would do that would make their lives better or help them sell more tickets to uh, their shows this weekend. And I think about what of those things can we do realistically, uh, what would help the most number of our clients um, and then say, hey, code humans, (laughs) can you do that? And how do we do that? And can we make it so? And um, and sometimes that takes a long time. But oh, yeah, uh, sometimes it 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 always feels very cool in the end. So, yeah, yeah, so that's that's what I'm up to. That's what I do. I that's really intriguing to me because I like communication. Mm-hmm. And I've had bits and pieces of that kind of thing where you're going from the client side where maybe they're just like, we want it to do this insane thing. And then engineers hear the ones and the zeros and what they need to type and realize how maybe from their perspective bullshit that is. So yeah. trying to bridge that gap to like, here's where one side can hear the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I it is, that's a really good way to put it. I am a liaison between tech people and uh, arts people in a lot of ways. Okay, man, that's fun. It's, it is fun. <laughs> I love it. I really, really love what I do. So I think it's, um, I think it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've had those fun like micro experiences of just being like uh, doing a tech for a show that I'm in, but I'm also directing and just like having a very quick tech at like a French festival, having three hours and being like kind of staying on stage <laughs> and going, "We would like the mood to be X," which means 
blue light left. <laughs> right. Like, make it so. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. like, I don't know how it happens, but here's what I'm envisioning. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, moody lights. <laughs> oh, yeah. So many moods. Uh, so many lights. I'm, I'm really excited to talk about this. I, I wanted to talk about it because the next season is about to premiere. And I, I thought of you. Uh, because I've enjoyed your your guest appearances on the podcast, and also I think you were one of the people who was really like, you have to watch this, you have to give it a chance. Yes, probably. <laughs> I like I I'm not a I don't push it on everybody, but you in particular, I was like, this seems like something that Joseph would enjoy. <laughs> and you were right. We are going to talk about Riverdale, the television show Riverdale. Hooray! Uh, so for someone who has never seen the show or isn't aware of it, how would you describe it? I always start by describing it as Gossip Girl meets Twin Peaks, um, because I like both of those shows also. Um, It's a lot of moody teens doing wacky things with some weird lighting, and none of it makes any sense usually, but it's still really entertaining with lots of musical numbers. (laughs) The musical numbers are a big selling point for you, right? They, I, yes, the <laughs> musical numbers are phenomenal. I was trying to think about which musical numbers were my favorite uh, because there are so many good ones. There's so many good ones. There's like the episode where they did carry the musical, which is feels like garbage layered on garbage in the best possible right, way. Because carry the musical is like a famously failed musical. Famously bad. People have tried to remount it, and it is still famously bad. I don't know that will ever uh, solve that problem. I don't know that we need to, but uh, somehow Riverdale did a, did re- like did justice to carry the musical in, yeah. in, in a way. And also someone got murdered in that episode, which was <laughs> great. And it moved the emotional plot forward, which yeah. we'll talk about because that, that's one of my favorite parts. Yes. Yeah, I think that in terms of trying to describe it, you can break down the different pieces and the influences, and we will, but I think it is why I gravitate toward it is it is more than the sum of its parts. It is something that is just landed on like it can't jump the shark because it is always in the midst of jumping the shark and talking about jumping the shark. Right. And it's self-aware in that way that it knows that it is. I think the Carrie musical episode is like a perfect example of that. Like we know that we're, we are no, we are always jumping the shark. Yeah. It's just like this, the Riverdale always goes to 11. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's not, it, it, it's not even ironic. It's not like it's stepping back and pointing at itself and making a joke of itself. It is sincerely ironic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really and truly. Really and truly deeply ironic. Uh, so yeah, we talked a little bit over email. So we're going to try to have this conversation where we have only mild spoilers. So. Trying not to give away identities of killers and things like that. Right. Yes. In case I'll do my best. We're selling things to people. We can we can bleep it. Yeah. Too. That's <laughs> like, a good point. I'll do my best though. <laughs> the black hood is bleep. <laughs> we'll see if we get that. Uh, so I want to go back in time first, and before you watch this show, what if anything was your relationship with Archie and the gang and the comics and all that? Uh, it was actually fairly limited. I um I. I like in high school, I knew a little bit of the comics and and my friends and I read a little bit of them, but like not a ton beyond that. Honestly, I know that Riverdale came from some sort of dark 
graphic novel comic. I don't know what it was. I'm very bad at that. But um, but like I had no knowledge of that. I knew, so I I knew not a ton to be honest. I knew that I liked teen programs, and I knew that <laughs> that are for adults. Let's be clear. Um, and I knew that like it looked bonkers. So I wanted to give it a try. But like I didn't have a huge frame of reference beyond what people had told me and sort of okay. what I'd gleaned from pop culture. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose I should have said that for the intro if people are listening. I'm sure there are people listening who are like, fuck yeah, Riverdale. And other people are like, what, what is this again? It's What's a sexy Riverdale? teen right. with the, the, the dudes have their shirts off, right? Yeah. Got it. Uh, it's a sexy CW. Yes. This is based on Archie and Jughead <laughs> and Betty and Veronica. Uh, and yeah, it, there's, there was a general reboot of the comics that got Archie to looking uh, in all of the gang looking much more, uh, realistic style of mm-hmm. comic book and then along with that the creator of this show uh roberto aguirre sacasa uh basically had a bunch of horror comics like when we're jughead's a werewolf and things like that amazing so i think it was kind of the blending of the modernization and getting that real gothic flavor mm-hmm. and i remember when the billboards went up like i had friends who were like what's that Comedy Central parody billboard up for? And like, nope, they're going to do Archie Buddy Fox. It's real. (laughs) They're doing it. It's happening. (laughs) It's real. So you saw like the billboards and the ads on the CW. Yeah. Uh, I I think that's, I don't even, I think that's where that happened. I don't recall anyone telling me about it. So that has to be how I found out about it. But um, I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch this. Um, I like to always have one like what I call like garbage teen show in my television (laughs) rotation. And I hadn't had one for a while. And so I was like, this seems this seems like a good candidate for that. So let me give that a try. And then I I started watching during the first season, but it had been a few episodes. So I was able to binge like three or four of them all at once. And I think I was like, oh, yes, here I am. I'm going to, I watch this show now. Okay. So you've talked about liking teen shows for adults and garbage teen shows. What do they give you? What do they fulfill? I just like to have one thing that's dumb and mindless to watch that also is very easy to get wrapped up in. Okay. Um, Just because it's it's just a nice uh, mental escape. Is it just that feeling of watching like... uh, Obviously, everybody on this show is stereotypically uh, traditionally attractive, and they usually are in teen shows. Right. Uh, Almost to the point of absurdity of, like, your beauty goes to 11. Is that necessary? (laughs) Right, right. uh, Is it just for for Riverdale and all the teen shows, is it watching something with traditionally attractive people, usually, you know, lit and designed very attractive, so it's pleasurable, but you're you're just kind of there for the soap opera, ooh, will so-and-so get together or not? Kind of. I also think there's something about, uh, like, oh, I was never that, like, my my teen life was never even close <laughs> to that. Like, I don't think any teen's life is close to any of it, to be fair. Um, but just this, like, uh, fantasy world where it's like, oh, yeah, look at those interesting lives those teens live. Like, particularly with, um, I think, actually, both Gossip Girl and now Riverdale, I'm like, what are what how did this even happen (laughs) how do these teens get involved with so many murders (laughs) do you do you wish retroactively that you had the uh, a teen life that was like really really social uh i'm not assuming anything but like full of romance and danger 
I mean, it was it it was very. I was a very social teen, so it's not even that. But I do like the idea of getting dressed up and going to glamorous parties, which is something these teens always seem to be up to. Yeah, they're always going to parties, sexy, sexy parties. Yeah, I mean, they're very adult. Like, I, I feel like I'm going to turn on season four and they're mostly just going to be upset about estate taxes or something, like, very adult. <laughs> I mean, didn't in the most recent season, weren't they upset about taxes uh, for the, the underground speakeasy? Yes. Wasn't there a tax issue? The teen with the underground illegal bar, yes. Yeah, yeah. yes. Of course, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, very adult issues. Like, That's really, yeah, yeah. That's fascinating to me that your your teen approach because I I watched the I've I've binged the first season second season third season so I'm in the binge camp as well mm. I haven't watched it weekly and I think that adds to the magic but uh, huge Twin Peaks fan so that was part of the reason like okay I gotta check this out mm-hmm. but when I was young and watching Twin Peaks it was both like um, I was attracted to it and a little bit uh, repulsed by it because I wanted to be cool. <laughs> Like those kids, like mm-hmm. it didn't want to be murdered, but like Bobby was, you know, a bad boy, and their 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 teen life seems so adult and fun. So when I watched the first episode of Riverdale, I was just like, I don't know if I can do this. Mm-hmm. I'm not a sexy teen. <laughs> I wasn't a sexy teen. I'm never going to be a sexy teen with a glamorous life. I've got a secret: no teens are actually sexy. <laughs> they think they are, but there's no sex, no actual sexy teens. All of the all of the people on this show have to be what, like 27? Yeah, yeah, probably right as they were. Yes, yeah. back in but, the day, and but, all the teen shows. Yeah, but sorry, I didn't mean to. No, no, no. <laughs> it was the, it, uh, it was the uh, to the show's credit that the weirdness got me past that. To now, I just like. Mm-hmm. It's really fun to watch these bizarrely uh, sexy 27-year-olds have their adventures. It's true. It's true. <laughs> so many adventures. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I want to get into a little bit of kind of what makes it tick and, and what speaks to you. We we know that the uh, musical does, but it mm-hmm. is a soap opera, so it's got that attraction. It's a crime thriller, thriller a mm-hmm. very purposeful comedy. It is really beautifully and I think kind of uniquely shot. It's got this classic theme of corruption under the beautiful, quaint Americana. Mm-hmm. So what, out of all those elements, what is drawing you to it? Um, I, so many things. I like very much, particularly in the most recent season, um, that they just seemed to go, just launch themselves into outer space <laughs> of of bananas things like um so like and and they just act like it's really normal that archie's fighting a bear like that's a thing that happens (laughs) he's just gonna like he woke up in the woods and he's fighting a bear yes and he learns a lot from it he learns so many lessons and is that i think that's even before he goes to the leopold and Loeb boy boys jail or whatever that place was with the the fight ring like there's a lot happening yeah um and they just treat it like it's of course, that's what happens. Of course, that's. I think there's some. That's part of why I like it so much. Is that just the most bananas things um, that just keep happening? Like part of that is why I keep watching. I'm like, what on earth could they possibly? What more could happen? Yeah, I think it's it's fascinating to me in a show that kind of does by its DNA want to go to eleven because that first season is like. It's very Twin Peaksy, right? It's a, yeah. it's a murder, and there's there's darkness under the quaint, nice town, and then mm-hmm. the darkness just keeps pushing and pushing until mm-hmm. you get to like season three, and it gets a little bit meta where they're like, 
Remember when we used to go to high school? Anyway, which murder are you working on? <laughs> right, right. Oh, I guess we have the SATs also. Yes. Yeah, that, I remember that became a plot point when Archie was like, I know how to box. I know how to play a guitar. I've lived through fighting a bear. But I can't do the SATs, man. It's too much. The SATs are too much. They're too much. Uh, do you get hooked by the actual soap opera of just the cliffhanger of, ooh, what's going to happen next? Is that that person got shot? Are they going to live? Or- a little bit there yes yes there there's a there's a fair amount of that because i have stopped binging it and now i do watch it on a weekly schedule and that lets me um stay sort of engaged in it and i'm like who got shot and are they gonna live and what happened and who's got the jingle jangle and (laughs) the fizzle rocks these are drugs on the show just in case you anyone's wondering um also, just I like to come back to find out what new name they've got for drugs this week. Um, right. I'm that, sure it'll be like the doo-wop right. or something. Right. Who knows what it'll be. Yeah. But do you, I guess the, the, those drug names do get into that theme, that they don't relent on that up until about three years ago, one could pretend that at Riverdale had this surface of quaint Americana, and they still do... Mm-hmm. like the diner with the classic cheeseburger and the malt and there's a comfort to it and there's there's a lot of like family being there for one another right but then constant drugs and murder and satanic cults and whatnot yeah satanic panic there's a lot of that yeah i like that they they have a lot of those tropes there's like the gang from the wrong side of the tracks and there, but like uh and there's the evil guy that's gonna buy the whole town and turn it into a prison or whatever <laughs> Um, So I like that they sort of play with those tropes that we all know, but just make them real weird. How do you feel about those tropes? I guess not even tropes, but there's that central idea. Because it's what Twin Peaks, especially the Mm -hmm. original uh, first two seasons, is based on, too, of like, we pine for the imagined America of 1950s. Obviously, it wasn't the real America then. Right. And even even if it was, it wouldn't have only been for some people. (laughs) So we, we pine for this comfort and quaint uh but then get obsessed with oh but then there's seedy darkness underneath (laughs) does that why does that theme resonate it's a that's a good question i think because there's something familiar about it but also this this give and take of we're starting with an idea that you're familiar with but we're gonna just play with it a little bit and and keep you guessing a little bit because that's also I think part of the appeal of Twin Peaks for me too is uh it starts with this idea of Americana and family and quaintness and oh look at this Laura couldn't have possibly done cocaine no there's nope everything's fine here like and then they just really blow that up in a lot of ways. Um, and on Riverdale, sometimes literally blow it up. <laughs> um, blow it up, yeah. Yeah, but I think there's, I think that's what I like about it is it's this familiar that they then kind of mess with a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I think when I think about it through that specific Twin Peaks filter, it the idea starts explicitly very early on at Laura's funeral that everybody secretly knows that she was in trouble. They secretly know that there's something right, not right in Twin Peaks and therefore have a responsibility to stop lying to themselves about it. Mm -hmm. And Riverdale takes it a step forward where the teens are like, wait, things aren't right. Let's form (laughs) gangs and nonprofits and deal with it. It's it's so get up and go of like, there's darkness in the town. Let's shoot it with an arrow or drive it out with law. Like they're, they're attacking the evil. 
Yeah, they're going to write newspaper articles about it yeah. and start a weird hooded gang. And <laughs> um, they're not going to sit around and let it happen to them. Yeah. It is weird that it is a show about like broody, sexy teens who don't allow drugs in their high school. <laughs> no, absolutely not. They're going to break into the nun, the nunnery where all of the kids are living and save them from drugs because yeah. the nuns are giving them the drugs, right? Yes. The nunnery that used to be farther away from town, it felt like. Yeah, I mean, yes. But now, I mean, and don't they have cars? I don't know. It, it like, Yes. Sh- or Lyft. Call a Lyft. <laughs> like, it'll get you there. Yeah. I um, think they've kept Lyft out of town. Yeah. Otherwise, Hermione. Her, it's too, yeah. It, yeah, that's, that, they're not ready for that yeah, yet. Yeah. The lodge industry would take over Lyft and oh, pollute yeah. it. It's happening. They, yeah. <laughs> the Uber that will be the drug next <laughs> next season. Uh, how much does the aesthetic of it uh, uh, hit you? Because I think that's a part of why I get why I can just feel like I'm going to an entirely different world, and it doesn't feel like anything else. Because even when a scene is almost on purpose, aggressively over the top, mm-hmm. uh, vapid. Uh, and I mean, that is a compliment. Yeah. It's not a good compliment, but I mean, it is a compliment. Yeah. So even when it's something's just sort of by the numbers, it looks fucking beautiful. Yeah, that's absolutely part of what drew me in initially. And I think that is still part of what I like about it so much. I was um, I went back and rewatched a couple of um, episodes from past seasons because honestly, so much happened in season three. I could not legitimately remember <laughs> what had happened in seasons one and two. It was like, oh, yeah, there was a serial killer and drugs. <laughs> some and, basic like, serial killer. Yeah, yeah, some things happened. Like so. Um, but I went back and I realized I was like, oh, wow, it's really really beautiful they're like even just in some of the costume choices that they make yeah there's something very um eerily timeless like we're in the 50s but we're now like who knows and like the way that it's shot gives that sort of impression to i i think it's really striking right and like um, the characters like you were talking about dress up on purpose and they seem to be very aware of sort of mid-century meets uh, absolutely cutting-edge 2019 chic. Right. Yeah. I don't know how, but I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. yeah. It's a it's a big part of what I find very fascinating about the show. Yeah. I remember thinking like, wow, Cheryl Blossom is art designed of like, what if a character could own the color red? And then the next episode mm-hmm. I watched, the plot was she was mad because someone else had Dared yeah. to wear red. How like, dare. I own that color. How dare. <laughs> yeah, she does own red. It's hers now. Yeah. Um, does the show ever get too absurd to you? Because there is a, it, it is basically, it is a high school teen drama and at this point a pulp adventure, like pulled from the actual pages of like, you know, old lurid paperback 1950s novels. Um, you know, I know that the the... Season three really lost some of part. I asked some of my friends and they were like, yeah, it just went real weird on me. So I haven't caught up with it. And I'm like, that's what I like about it. So I like that they've just gone even more over the top. Um, to me, I just I think it's hilarious. It, it, I like it. I like it. A lot. I don't know that there is anything. Well, I say that now, but I can't imagine anything happening on that show that would make me stop watching it or just probably more accurately just like forget to watch it and not 
want to watch it anymore. Yeah. To me, like the more absurd it gets, the better. Because yeah. it's kind of like it's kind of like professional wrestling in that way, where it just <laughs> it gets more like the more over the top it is, the more I am like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You joked about you liked it because it's bonkers because it just went to outer space. Yeah. Is that too much? If they I, had, if they had to go to the moon, honestly, if there was a murderer on moon selling <laughs> drugs, then yeah, they gotta do what they gotta do, and I will be there for it. I wouldn't put it past the show to have like a sort of flash forward part of the show where they're like great grandchildren. There's a Riverdale on the moon, and there's problems up there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's moon rocks are the drug they're doing up yep, there. Anything's possible. <laughs> anything's possible. Yeah, it, it is fascinating, and it's uh, and nothing can quite be too much. Uh, without going into specific plot details, th- in the third season, there were some main characters attempting to murder one another, <laughs> and that was the it. It was uh, not too absurd for me because nothing can get too absurd. But everybody just let that go real quick. Like people kind of remembered, like, "Hey, you were mean to me once in the second grade, and I'm still holding on to that." But <laughs> my parent tried to kill your parent and that's just that's just water under the bridge that's, that's fine. fine that's who gets, no big deal how did you feel about that when it started when it did get to a point where like it almost felt like oh yeah we there was i think it was probably like the season break and like mm-hmm. attempted murder and then it was just like yeah and hey it happens between oh. friends it happens. We all we've all been there. We've yeah. all been there trying to murder our friends. <laughs> um, even that, I didn't. I was like, okay, all right, that okay, sure. Um, the other, the, the other, there was a a flashback episode too that yes. like really, I was like, wow, we're 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 doing it. We're going here, and it started to get a little even a little too wacky for me but i was like no i'm going to see where this goes because um i some for the most part it feels like most of the time those things they do try to push things forward i will say with the murders of everybody trying to murder each other it felt maybe a little less like that but yeah. i i was I, so like it lost me a tiny bit but i still wasn't mad about it yeah i almost feel like it's the kind of show where like halfway through next season they could be like you know what i've really been processing and i'm upset that (laughs) your parent tried to kill my parent i mean it's really it's really too bad that that happened um (laughs) and we should have words about it yeah a musical uh (laughs) do you have a favorite character (gasps) cheryl no oh really question about it because she is the most ridiculous of them all i do all yeah so um she uh anytime she shows up uh in like with the cheerleaders i know something absurd's going to happen maybe a musical number maybe not um she's uh always the one like my favorite was that time i don't know if i could i don't want to spoil yeah, it too much but uh she shows up in her like red riding hood outfit and she's like oh by the way also i'm a world-class archer and we're like i mean sure (laughs) absolutely of course you are um she went from being this somewhat unlikable character in season one she's not a she's not they don't make her a very nice person she's introduced as the mean girl who you think is going to be the antagonist of the show right and they've really um done a 180 in a in a good way with that because she's just 
like the most over the top of them all. She's the things that come out of her mouth just make me smile every time. I'm like what? Um, she owns the color red. Like <laughs> she, I think, um, is is phenomenal. Um, she's always also the person. There's, uh, I forget who got murdered and and the because so many murders. Um, the she and the cheerleaders, the vixens, show up uh, to the funeral to sing a song. Um, because I guess That's they're also right. the Glee Club. I'm not sure what's up with that, but like in all black morning cheerleader outfits. <laughs> That's right. Because absolutely, um, why wouldn't they? And and I have no doubt that Cheryl led the charge on that. Oh yeah. And I also like that she, uh, as part of her character development, they have uh, made her really likable in this way, where she's like, if you mess with my friends you mess with me. And like, I think that's just such a delight. Yeah. I mean, they've really empowered her because it did seem like, okay, she starts as a mean girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's a, immediately like, oh, let's have some empathy. Why Why would a, a person be like this? And you mm-hmm. realize there's lots of horrors in her family and their literal gothic castle uh, <laughs> with the, you know, horrible... <laughs> Money people. They have their their business is maple syrup. It's <laughs> maple syrup empire. It's a maple syrup empire. So it's like, yeah, and like that sickly sweet over the top. Yeah, you know, aesthetic is there. That's what um, you'll get with your maple syrup money is a gothic <laughs> castle on the edge of town. Yep, yep. Um, but yeah, then she goes to this defender of friends. Mm-hmm. Do you do you get inspired by her? Do you feel like if you have like a challenge coming up at work, do you feel like I'm going to put on my metaphorical hood and show up with my bow and arrow and my, you know, nothing can stop me, Cheryl Blossom attitude? I can't say that I have, but I certainly (laughs) want to try that now um, because I feel like um, that's not a bad way to that's not a bad way to approach it. Um, I sometimes deal with um, imposter syndrome in my professional life, not just and so I feel like that's a mental attitude that could really help me. Yeah. I like that. Oh, good, I'm good. Show up in my red riding hood cape <laughs> and my bow and arrow, metaphorically. Yeah. But yeah, I yeah. like it. I'm going to try that. Cool. Yeah, I think a lot of the teens are like that because they uh, obviously they have the adults characters and they uh, are sometimes like, hey, 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 teens, knock it off. But the teens are like, no, I can be award winning journalist. No, I can be a detective. No, mm-hmm. I can be a boxer. Like they're, they're also like claiming their stake in the world and saying kind of total opposite of imposter syndrome of like, I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about the adults for a second? Yeah, please. Because one of my first notions that Riverdale was not actually for teens, but was actually for adults, is that all of the adult characters on the show are played by 80s and 90s teen <laughs> heartthrobs. Yeah. There's Molly Ringwald. There's Skeet Ulrich. There's like all of these adults that... Um, yeah, I'm Shelley like, from Twin Peaks. Yes, yeah, Right, exact, yeah. exactly. There's always like former teen stars that now play the adults. And I'm like, you're not actually for teens. You're... I see what you're up to, Riverdale. You're for adult adult ladies like me. <laughs> now, do you think it's just that you're, they're trying to bring in people who are in their 30s or 40s and, and watch these actors as teens when they were teens? I mean, maybe, but I genuinely don't think that they think this show is for teens anymore. Um, I th- There was, uh, I forget what 
the I forget even when this happened because it's such a whiplash of so many things that happen. Um, but there was absolutely this moment where um, Veronica was like, "Hey, I'm getting confirmed tonight at church, Betty. Do you want to help me sing?" the do you want what was it like do you want to help me sing from the cruel intention soundtrack bittersweet symphony like so, and i'm like this is not for teens teens don't even know what cruel and i don't think teens know what cruel intentions is but maybe right but it's something like it's something from a different era that they might enjoy right right, right. but yeah that i was like no that I, I i don't genuinely think anymore that this show is for teens yeah i mean i <laughs> I was watching it in my bubble of getting to stream it, getting to talk to other people, uh, generally my age, about it. Mm-hmm. And then I can't remember. I, there was something I was curious about, so I looked up online, and you know, I hadn't paid attention to anything. And I can't remember what there was a plot point at the end of season three that the fandom didn't like, and people were getting death threats, and like the actor of oh, Betty boy. was like, "Hey." We are actors. So yeah. certainly they do have a powerful teen following. Oh, you know, that's fair. I don't talk to a lot of teens. So <laughs> I'm maybe I'm the out-of-touch one. I'm willing to admit that. I know. I think from a writing perspective, yes. I don't, it doesn't feel like, be, besides being full of teen characters wrestling with things, exaggerated things that teens wrestle with but mm-hmm. coming of age who do you trust who's your friend what do you happen what happens when a friendship dies like all sorts of relatable teen things uh first steps into romance all that but yeah with the references yeah like leopold and Loeb, right those that's the it's <laughs> an obscure early 20th century murder right? i don't Not actually obscure, know if that's but... what it was called i just like to call it that no it was <laughs> that's what it I don't even remember what's real on this show anymore. <laughs> what I've just dreamed in my head, like what what was yeah, what's real and what's not. It's hard to know sometimes because it feels like you're in a fugue state sometimes when you're watching the show. It does feel much like Twin Peaks. It can feel like a dream, right? Right. Because it is like, oh, was I a boxer? Yeah. Was I a guitarist? Did I yeah. find a bear or have an affair with my music teacher? <laughs> Maybe all like it's like maybe it all happened. Did the gang become the sheriff of the town? <laughs> Was I almost beaten to death two days ago and have one light scar? Did I also fight a man in a bear costume? <laughs> yeah, that was mostly symbolic, but yes, yeah. yeah. But it's it but did, also it he literally fought a man in a bear costume <laughs> after he fought a bear. Well, his whole deal is: can he beat the bear <laughs> that is his own soul? It's it's really deep, Joseph. Oh, thank you. It's really thank deep. you. Speaking of deep things, do you ship anybody? <laughs> um, I uh, you know what? I really like Cheryl and Tony a lot. Okay. Um, so I guess I I as far as I might ship someone, I guess I guess it would be them. Um, everybody else uh, can do whatever they want, <laughs> and you won't you won't care. Yeah, I also uh, probably I guess I also ship um, Veronica and her speakeasy if okay. that's allowed. <laughs> you don't care uh, which fella she's with while she's running the speakeasy. No, as long as the speakeasy is under the diner and illegally operating, and maybe also a casino, I'm yeah, happy. Whatever it needs to be. Now, yeah. do you like that because it is? We were talking about the theme of the darkness lurking under the quaint town, but it is literally an illegal speakeasy <laughs> with flowing alcohol run and frequented by teens and gangsters under the quaint diner that serves malts. 
Yeah. I mean, did, it didn't start by selling alcohol, right? It was supposed no. to be wholesome. And then she started selling alcohol to, like, get back at her dad. She kept always, being pushed into every, Everything she does is to get back at her dad, which yeah. I love. Um, but, uh, I mean... Yeah, I like it because it's got this theme of darkness to it. I like it because it also brings us a lot of sexy numbers. Like, oh, yeah. did anybody ever need a really sexy version of Anything Goes? <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't know that I needed that. I like that song very much. It's, I it mean, was... it's one of my favorite musicals and that they just made it like so absurdly sexy. I'm like, yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> it's called Anything Goes. Yep. Yeah. A couple of my favorite things about the the speakeasy is it, it seems to be a single file thing through the actual uh, diner to get through it. So there's just some logistical issues mm-hmm. and it's always packed. So there's that. And then it, it's taken to such heights of beautiful absurdity where it should be romantic and sexy that Veronica is running this illegal speakeasy with booze and gambling and mm-hmm. incredibly sexy songs. But she's working so hard at it, it almost gets to like adult tedium. We're just like, are you doing the books again, Veronica? Yeah, you are got, you balancing, you know, so much adulting. Yeah, just so like, much adulting. Are you ordering more, you know, drinks or are yeah. you worrying about the breakage? Like, and none of the adults seem at all cons- like generally don't seem very concerned about it. Hilariously, they are all very concerned about them playing Dungeons and Dragons or Griffins and Gargoyles or whatever. You know, like yes. they're like, oh no, satanic panic. But the speakeasy, that's fine. Who, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Those kids are, it's wholesome. Yes. It's wholesome. It's fine. Uh, uh, we will get into Griffins and Gargoyles <laughs> yes. for sure. I want to talk about that. Uh, yeah, for, for myself, for shipping, I found myself surprisingly invested in. Uh, Jughead and Betty, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, called Bughead on the internet, I believe. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. <laughs> but just it, because the first season plays with the, starts strong with the classic Archie story of mm-hmm. they grew up next to each other, they're, you know, the OTP, they're the end game. Right. Uh, and then it seemed like, oh, well, you know, on the path to that, we'll have Jughead and Betty hook up. Mm-hmm. And then it, I know that the actors are dating in real life for a while and all this. And, it, and now they just... Uh, they're my favorite characters because I think they're just the kind of the most quirky, charismatic. Uh, they're gift machines, particularly I, Betty. Yeah. She, oh, man. That time she did a strip tease to Mad World <laughs> was a lot. Yeah. she's She is a gift machine, truly. Yeah. She's, she, she gives us so much. <laughs> she gives us so much gift. But now I feel like I feel like that was supposed to be a distraction. Mm-hmm. But now I feel like people will lose their mind if they break up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because they're 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 like, yeah, I don't want them to break up. Like that would be sad. <laughs> I don't, I'm invested now. Um, I can't. It's weird because I also, I also think Archie is the worst character. Um, just not like as a bad person, but just he's the least interesting of them all. Like despite um, bear fights and underground yeah. fighting rings and being. Like starting a, a hooded gang or whatever he's up to this week, um, he's just he's just like the the least interesting of them all. And Betty is just so dynamically up to like shenanigans always that I I love her. I also think um, Jughead just is such a good narrator of yeah the show that. Uh, them together is really fun. Um, yeah. So I don't want her and Archie to get together. 
Yeah, Jughead keeps the like the noir sensibility locked mm-hmm. down with the brooding journalist yeah. typewriter, you know. Exactly. Have you heard this theory about the show? I read this on the internet that um, that the whole show is a dream or not a dream, but like the whole show we're going to find out is just something that Jughead wrote and that's why he's the narrator. It's because he wrote all of this uh, nonsense into being. I don't know if I buy that or not. I don't know. That would be very interesting. I uh, have watched the uh, Sabrina Teenage Witch show, which yes. is uh, all produced in... in spin-off. You know, spin-off, but they've been, they've been back and forth in the statements that I've seen about whether or not it is canonical. Right. But on Sabrina in the comic book shop, they have Archie Comics. <laughs> So I like I like the idea that either Jughead is writing and producing comics and they're not available one town over in Riverdale. They're only available in Greendale. Right. Or that maybe somebody else has been coming into Riverdale watching it and then Mm -hmm. producing a comic book. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And And they just don't know in Riverdale. Right. They don't know. They also have never heard of magic or seen any (laughs) magic in Riverdale, even though the next town over is literally mostly witches yes and there is an episode of riverdale where jughead delivers uh something that is connected to lovecraft lore i think hp lovecraft is just listed as the recipient (laughs) so in greendale so like clearly he was you know uh, delivering the necronomicon to the witches and he didn't know Mm -hmm. beautiful (laughs) perfect i love it uh we talked a little bit about getting uh inspiration from any characters but in terms of that, going back to the more basic, it's a teen drama. Mm-hmm. Do you see yourself in any of the characters? Because, like, for myself, I I was Jughead is the closest to what I wanted to be. If I was watching yeah. this as a teen, I'd be like, I want to be Jughead. I would go to school and kind of see if I could make myself a little bit more Jughead. So, like, I really identify with Jughead. Mm-hmm. Is there any character that you see yourself in? Mm, um, I guess bits and pieces, but not truly just one character um especially like teenage me i was such a like theater dork and like but also on the school newspaper and so like i see these little bits of all of them where like they want to do the right thing and they want to like bring attention to the cult in town or whatever (laughs) you're just describing betty everything you've described is betty (laughs) okay so i'm i guess i'm betty i don't i had thank you for thank you for showing me who i really am joseph no problem yeah Uh, i mean betty is built classically and i think it starts to show this way on the trope of the the person with a good heart Mm -hmm. who wants to do the right thing leans into uh, you know the stereotype of the blonde mm-hmm. did you feel that way when you were a kid did you feel like you were the blonde you weren't the the dangerous new kid in town you were <laughs> the one who were just like community activities are good let's do it gang um me i mean i straddled that line okay. i definitely straddled that line because i was um the good kid and so i could like sneak out of study hall without a hall pass and no one would ever stop me so <laughs> that was like, dark gen so yeah so like i used my power my my power I, I i definitely was like it's cool no one's gonna no one's gonna notice so i would do uh i would i was like both good and bad yeah uh as a teen um but in a very wholesome way yeah like okay. i would sneak out of class to like go hang out in the theater like nothing, <laughs> nothing or like down the street to go to the diner 
Right. Never, never real shenanigans. You're not dealing drugs. You're helping paint flats. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Truly. Yes. Uh, so let, let's get into the musical because I know it's one of your favorite things. <laughs> My favorite thing about the musical is that, yes, they are, like, absurd, cheeky. No one would ever expect this musical to be done on television. Mm-hmm. But I I love that Riverdale is a world where it is valid for the characters to work through their actual interpersonal drama by singing songs from strange, cheeky musicals at one another. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, and and they do it in a way that you don't think this show is a musical. Right. Because there are other shows where they've done that, of course, and I love that they're not, they're not, this is a musical, but like, we're just going to sing it out for a, a minute. Yeah. <laughs> just going to have a moment <laughs> to sing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, and they always pick just the most odd assortment of of songs to sing um i do love that both of the they've done two music like two school productions of musicals now yeah i think both of the musical choices are inspired with both carrie and heathers yes i think those are both tremendous uh choices uh of music like actual school musicals we're gonna produce (laughs) because would either of those ever get produced in an actual high school Absolutely not. <laughs> Murders happen in both of them. I think they actually addressed that in the Heather's episode, right? Where they're like, I, teens need to work through things. Yeah, yes, yes. I, that is right. I had, I'd forgotten that. But yeah, they're like, yeah. teens got to gotta get some stuff off their chest. We gotta I, do yeah, this. I relate to that because when, when I was in high school, I'm trying to remember what the program was. There was some sort of program that the school had uh started i think it was keep your options open so it was basically like trying to be like hey kids we're gonna make being good cool like about how much like if you have good behavior and good grades your Mm -hmm. options are open um and my band was going to my dumb rock and roll band was going to play at the homecoming uh sort of auditorium gathering uh and we wanted to do uh another brick in the wall part two of course. And what was your band name, by the way? Well, that will distract from the story, so okay. we'll get back to that. Okay, fine. So, uh, <laughs> Fair. Uh, so I, I wrote a note to the principal saying, I know on the surface this song sounds bad because the first lyric is, we don't need no education, but it is actually very in line with the Keep Your Options Open program. <laughs> wow. And much like the kids on Riverdale, talked them into it. My band name was Flaming Twinkies. Perfect. Which would be perfect on Riverdale. And the reason I didn't want to say it in the middle is whenever I tell people the band name is Flaming Twinkies, all other conversation stops. <laughs> I can understand that. <laughs> Understandably so. Yeah. It wasn't a good choice. Uh, it was complicated. Listen, teens don't always make good choices. <laughs> um, the other thing about the musicals that I'm curious about is it seems like there's an agreement between the teens that their actual prowess in terms of singing and dancing is like a power that they wield over one another like it like there's lots of times where they're rehearsing it and they're like i can sing and dance it better than you and they're all like ridiculous level singer dancers right yeah so do you like that that's their world that that is a valid form of sort of competition um i i loved it in the carrie episode because it specifically drove the plot forward like why does so-and-so get to be that character and i don't because they're a better singer lots of like 
teenage angst about it. Um, so, like, in that specific situation, I thought it was a wonder. Um, the rest of the time, it's always just kind of funny to me um, that that they're trying to, like, one-up each other via musical yeah. numbers. Um, my favorite being when all of the cheerleaders showed up at the at the boys' prison and oh, did yeah. a dance, a sexy dance number to, what was it, like Jailhouse Rock? Oh, yeah, to, to cheer Archie on. Yeah, because yeah. we wanted to cheer up the boys in the jail. I think that's what it is, is the whole show has an almost like uh, superhero science fiction genre vibe where powerful singing and dancing, you can almost see like the one-ups Mm-hmm. Like, like you will be, you can be repulsed by the power of it if you want to weaken someone. But if you also want to give someone strength, it's almost like literally mm-hmm. an empowering yeah. act. That, that, They're using song and dance for good. Yeah. It's like Mario and Super Mario getting a mushroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they power up. Would you ever want to be able to work through any of your own interpersonal issues by song and dance? You say that like I don't do that. <laughs> well, um, tell me. I mean, no, I, I, I do have a lot of dance parties in my living room, but that's just, no, I, I don't, I don't, um, I don't, I think that would be um, not just weird in real life, but almost maybe borderline annoying if we all just started breaking out into song to sing, yeah. to sing our arguments at each other yeah. or whatever. Although... I'm open to trying it. Yeah. Are you a karaoke person? <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. I Like, in so much as I have um, three go-to karaoke songs at what, the ready. What are they? Um, Flagpole Sitta by Harvey Danger. <laughs> Classic one-hit wonder of the 90s. Um, I also like Walk Like an Egyptian. Um, those are, like, really my, my two go-tos. And you're working on a third? Well, the third... Um, is only if it's late into the evening is just a friend by Bismarcky. Okay. <laughs> you know, classic karaoke yeah. fodder. Would you ever want, so not attacking anybody else, but let's say you're upset about a specific work thing and you found the exact right cathartic song. Do you, would you want it to be like through the power of belting this out? If you really nailed walk like an Egyptian, <laughs> <laughs> you would, you would be able to let go of your conflict at work uh i mean yeah maybe do, uh, like yeah sure i would try I, that would be all right that could be okay um i don't know that i want to sing to my coworkers specifically okay. but um but maybe but if you remove the conflict if it wasn't the person there if it was just like the i mean i, I think the act of singing can be cathartic but if yeah. it was at this magic level catharsis that it is on riverdale then yes, I'm all for it. If I can sing and and get that level of like emotional joy uh, and release from it, then yes, I will do that. I will totally try that. Okay, awesome. Uh, we're going to talk about the role playing. Yes. So uh, Griffins and Gargoyles, right? Yes. So yes, for people who haven't watched season three, was uh, it kept seeming as though perhaps the plot were resolved, and uh uh-uh. uh. It, almost the entire season is Griffins and Gargoyles. It's a one of the main seven plots of the season. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you feel about, did it Did it just lean into the satanic panic 
thing of the 80s? I see this is another reason why I think this show is for adults cuz teens don't remember the satanic panic of the of I've had teens laugh at me and go that's a that's dumb that you would make that up but I didn't make that up. No, that's a real thing. I have friends who were not allowed to play Dungeons and Dragons because of the satanic panic. Yeah. Um and so I loved I loved it. Loved it so much. Um just because it it let them it it gave them a new avenue in which to be even more ridiculous. Like there's a gargoyle king, and I'm the Griffin Queen, and like, <laughs> uh, but like they were dressing up like it in real life. I love I loved it that they they genuinely thought that this role playing game had come to life. Yeah, and was murdering people. And it was an escalation when you're talking just about like murderers and big bads of the season because you had had like. The black hood, which was like a, a guy with the hood. And then like yeah. just in the hallway of school, they're running into a giant Lovecraftian <laughs> pagan wicker man creature, right? Yeah. Just like ridiculously large cloaked twigs mm-hmm. coming out at, you know, upsetting angles. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that at some point during the season, probably every adult got accused of being the gargoyle king. <laughs> um, like, now you're the gargoyle king. Like, so every single one of gargoyle. It's the principal of the school is the gargoyle king. Like, I yeah. love that all of the adults got um, got accused of it. Yeah, because it's so it's so bananas. But um, I, am, I am not a person who um, has played or played role-playing games, but I like uh, I like that it gave it like how fun and like truly fantasy it was to see that all come to life yeah and for them to play it very seriously yeah like the reason it all happened is because the adults had played a game of it in the 80s and never finished it like what (laughs) and now it's coming back to us like incredible yeah incredible like and they took it so like they that was a premise they took very seriously yeah yeah and i love that i you know i i play role-playing games and it had like these great thematic echoes of there there are kids coming of age and they're trying on different roles and that's the power of role-playing is trying on different roles and playing with the darkness so like absolutely all these great things but the satanic panic thing (laughs) so like in the 80s that was like a very fundamentalist thing that was a very controlling um censorship it was a thing. real thing right yeah. you look at actual dungeons and dragons and it's like there's a gelatinous cube it's not like <laughs> there's absurd monsters it was not you know yeah. uh so to me it's got this weird tension because riverdale is uh insanely on purpose progressive right it embraces and celebrates diversity it is extremely sex positive mm-hmm. you know it is very progressive so being like, yep, got to watch out for those <laughs> role-playing games. <laughs> They'll get you with the evil. Yep. How did that sit with you? Because to me, it, in the middle of the season, it didn't feel very progressive when it was like, you're going to kill yourself with RPGs, kids. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I feel like they were trying to subvert it a little bit, yeah. too. Kind of the same way they've done with all of the drug plot lines and the nuns trapping all of the like outcast kids who are um you know weird for whatever reason whether it's because you know shale likes a girl or whatever these things are like i like i thought it it felt to me a little bit like it was trying to subvert it now mid-season it sort of 
lost its way a little bit, might maybe. And so I, I don't think they necessarily really. Um, so yeah, I can understand why it, you know mid season it felt like what, yeah. what are we actually doing here? But now um, that I'm thinking about it, you're right that by the the way it plays out, there are uh, understandable reasons uh, behind it. Yeah, and the villains that one might expect. Right. Right. Yeah. So so. Th- I yeah, it felt like they they were trying to subvert it a little yeah. bit, which I I appreciated. Did it increase uh, or decrease your desire to play an actual role playing game? <laughs> um, you know, I I me like it did pique my interest. I've always like had this um interest in I'm like maybe I could play role maybe I should play role playing games and certainly I know many people yourself included that I'm like if I wanted to do that all I would have to say is like <laughs> hello I would like to do that too um but I haven't and I don't know why um I I don't know why yeah. I f- again I'm not I'm not sure I don't know are you do you afraid of the release of dark gen <laughs> Possibly, possibly. <laughs> that's yeah. the funny thing to me about it. Of like, the darkest thing that's going to happen as a role playing is you get tuned your character and you're a little mean to one of your friends, right? And then you just have a dance off and you settle it, and, and you, it's no big deal. And then you work it out. You sing, you sing at each other, and make it okay. Uh, I did want to talk a little bit about the themes because I, I did come to it because I liked the aesthetic. I liked how bonkers it was, as you put it. But as I was watching it, I did feel like sitting with it. Like there are really specific recurring ideas um about friendship mm-hmm. and about like choosing your moral path in particular i think like uh, a ton of the second season when archie is trying to decide whether or not he wants to get in with his uh, girlfriend's gangster father there's a lot about like oh yeah who do you trust your choices make you who you are mm-hmm. uh has a lot to say about the value of investigative journalism fear of bears <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's right. I forgot Archie joined the mob for a minute there. Uh, yeah. Or, or, yeah. Yeah. Papa Poutine. Papa Poutine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> True, truly an evil, evil man. Do any of those um, big picture themes speak to you? Yeah. I, I was really um, drawn with Betty, especially having this st- internal struggle about, am I, you know, the, am I have I inherited like, you know, evil traits from my father or my grandfather or my ancestors or like have, yeah. like, do, is that something that's inside of me or am I really a good person? Like I really liked, I I, I was really drawn to her particular struggle with that because I, I thought I was like, you know, that's not something just that teens deal with, but I think that's something that we all sort of wrestle with at some point or another. And And I was like, all right, all right, Riverdale. That's cool. I mean, maybe not in we don't wrestle with it in the same dramatic fashion in which Betty has wrestled with it. Right. Um, because some pretty terrible things happen to get her to like thinking about that kind of stuff. But um yeah, it's it's um I that that one in particular really stood out to me as one that I was really drawn to. Yeah, I think that one's really great because it does go all over the map from uh, was I born to kill? <laughs> right. Was, <am laughs> Is there nothing I can do about it? Is it in my genetic makeup right. to be a, a murder person? Uh, but then it also does just get down to the social of like, everybody sees me this way. Can I wear that to school? Is that 
you know, and, yeah. and I feel like that's what ends up being empowering about a lot of her story, which isn't done yet, about just like, you don't have to be who other people define you as. And just because you mm-hmm. want to listen to some dark music or play a really dark RPG. <laughs> right. You want to be Dark Betty, you can be yeah. Dark Betty. Yeah. And it's not like, yes, it's not Evil Betty. It's Dark Betty. Dark it's Betty. goth Betty, really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yes, it's very supportive of trying out goth. Yeah. Styles. We should yeah. all get to be a little goth sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, yeah, I also think like with Jughead, there is a lot of uh, what is what is it to be a part of a group? Like there's mm-hmm. so many reforming and reshaping of who is leading what group. Constantly on that show. And and especially with him because he they portray he starts as such a loner and, you know, I don't need anybody, but then am I gonna be in the gang? Am I gonna be the leader of the am I gonna be the king of the serpents? <laughs> What's gonna happen? Um and like how are the ghoulies gonna like like because the ugh, the ghoulies. Um yeah, so just all of like his struggle with what yeah, what does it mean and am I gonna be on the south side? Or am I going right. to go back to Riverdale? I believe a gang is given to somebody as a present at one point. Probably. That sounds about <laughs> right. Um, and, and just, you know, uh, how do I, how does he fit in and that whole idea of that? I think that's such a universal yeah. thing that everybody can relate to. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, there's something really universal about that. Yeah. In fact, uh, right before we started recording, we were talking about you host an event. For a friend group, and it yeah. is a little bit of the sort of Riverdale thing of how much is the group the leader or how much is the group the group. Right, right. To what extent is something, you know, can it go on without a leader versus can it just be an organic thing that lets itself be what it is? Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard to know when. I think ultimately all groups want a leader, but that's probably a whole whole other conversation. <laughs> Yeah, that's for season four of Riverdale, <laughs> right. I'm sure. Th- that's, that's what Jughead's going to be wrestling with this coming season. <laughs> yes. Yeah. How all groups need a leader. The and essence. sometimes you have to make hard choices as the leader. <laughs> uh, what do you want to happen on this show? Do you have like any big picture desire uh, or even like a specific little plot thing? Mm. Hmm. I mean, I could have never dreamed that they would have done a whole satanic panic role-playing thing so um i i feel like it's like i want them to do something i can't even dream up like that's that's what i want to happen um i i just yeah i i don't like and like archie fighting a bear like all of these things i couldn't i would never even (laughs) i couldn't even fathom something yeah so i just want them to keep doing that okay Excellent. What do you want to I, see? Do you have any hopes or dreams or desires? Uh, I lots I mean, <laughs> about uh, Riverdale specifically. <laughs> oh yeah, it's about Riverdale. <laughs> they, I I hope that they really keep that tension of uh, the they sort of hinted towards of like we just want to have a normal year in high school, but we can't. So it's I feel like they're going to become mm-hmm. more aware of what the show has become, where it's it's struggling to stay at the high school, and like that that's actually gonna be the plot. Mm-hmm. A little bit more. And I like that about Archie because I, I think, like you were saying that in some ways he is the least engaging character, which I think is a little bit of a, um, like, uh, I, I think of it, and some people might disagree with me, a Buffy season seven problem where, like, 
everything going on around Buffy is more interesting than what's going on with Buffy to the point where mm-hmm. they became meta about it. And I think mm-hmm. I think this season was meta about Archie being like, I don't know what I want to do in life. Do I like guitar or boxing or leading Maybe I should run away and find out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I, I would like them to continue to use that sort of meta skill mm-hmm. to examine the show itself. Mm-hmm. I like it. My real specific thing is I want them, uh, for their musical episode, I want them to do a musical version of the Happy Days episode where the term Jump the Shark comes from. I I feel like that could really happen. Yeah. I feel like that's absolutely within the realm of possibility. I feel like... I hope that that happens for you. I hope that, too. And then... (laughs) If Archie could fight a shark. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if he doesn't fight a shark, then what are we even doing? Uh, I think that is a, a I want to know insight. how the shark gets to the woods, too, because they're in the woods, basically, half of the show. It's the gargoyle shark, so. It's the gargoyle it shark. It has legs. Yeah, yeah. And you, wings. I mean, do you feel like there's going to be more um, satanic panic role-playing stuff that, that happens, or do you feel like they've said what they want to say about that? I feel like they have an instinct to draw on the past. Like, I feel like it has this. I think that's part of what goes into the quaint Americana and the fact that it is the story of teens and their parents, that there is like this sense of what happened Mm -hmm. before will always come back to haunt us. Yeah, because they always pull some things from the last season into the new things. So I'm curious to see what those things are that they pull from season three because there were many yeah what of that gets pulled through into the into the new stories yes like i wouldn't be surprised if uh it's betty who is the griffin queen right yes that's kind of her i mean fully embodying her good side right I wouldn't be surprised to see her have an actual superhero fight (laughs) as the Griffin Queen. That would be incredible. (laughs) That would be incredible. What if they do a Halloween episode where she just dresses up as the Griffin Queen? Oh, beautiful. And then she gets to have a fight with um, like a shark in the woods. (laughs) The gargoyle shark. Yeah, the gargoyle shark. (laughs) Thumbs up from me. Hooray. We're going to move on to our How Obsessed Are You questions. Do you think about Riverdale every day? Um, n- no. Um, <laughs> although this last week I have thought about it every day because I wanted to remember all the things. Um, but I would say when it's actually on TV, I do, uh, I do talk about it with friends at least a couple times a week. Okay, yeah. So that's part of your obsession is the interaction with friends about it? Getting to talk about what absurd things happened on Riverdale is always a treat. <laughs> it's one of it's one of the best parts about it. Um, so are you going to watch it week to week then? I think I am going to stick with that because there's something um, about that that I think is really fun. Um, when you... when. Particularly when I binge watch a show, it kind of feels like Stockholm Syndrome to me where I'm like, oh, now I'm in it and I buy into all of it so like wholesale that uh, when I watch something week to week, it lets me really take in how uh, like kooky 
some okay. of the things are that happen on Riverdale. Because yeah. when you just watch like eight of them in a row, you start to be like, eh, yeah, of course that happened. Of, of course <laughs> the the gang is going to, you know, deal drugs and uh, also be the sheriff of the town and maybe also, uh, <laughs> you know, start a roller skating gang or whatever. I yeah. don't know. I don't know. You a know, strategic like, riot. Yeah. 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 The, yeah. For, for, because they have to. Um, yeah. Like the, you just get to, it's, it's too easy for me to just, start accepting that the things that are happening are fine yeah okay i gotta give this serious thought because i Mm -hmm. i uh started watching it once season two was almost done so i binged season Mm -hmm. one and then it really hooked me and it's like okay and then i waited for a year basically Mm -hmm. to binge season three and i hadn't thought of it as stockholm syndrome but i think that's correct (laughs) I, I, i was describing it more like i feel like i am living inside it like i like being totally absorbed Mm -hmm. in something like that but you're right. There are many details or favorite lines that I'd probably retain better week to week. Mm-hmm. Like cruel intentions <laughs> and a confirmation. Yeah. <laughs> I think the first time Cheryl shoots an arrow, I, I think I texted you that line. <laughs> I, I, we're, I don't text people often, but I just like, I have to share with someone that I really enjoyed this line. It's such a good moment because you never would have seen it coming. No, nope, it's so just great. Peers out of nowhere. <laughs> That's going to happen. And where a lot. she's like, I didn't shoot to kill. I just wounded them. Like, <laughs> okay, Cheryl. Uh, when people walk into your home, can they tell you're obsessed with Riverdale in any way? Um, probably not, because it's not the sort of thing um, that is just like, I don't have an Archie poster okay. or a Jughead poster or a Cheryl poster, but maybe I should. Um, but no, I, I mean, I guess if you turned on my TV, you'd see that it's sitting in my queue waiting to be watched. But okay. other than that, probably no. Right. It's uh, not a visual obsession, yeah, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, if Betty Cooper was real and running for president, would you vote for her? Oh, um... <laughs> I mean, no, I don't think so. I mean, she is very good in general, um, but uh, did she run for class president or was that Archie? I think it was Archie. And then, oh, it was Archie because then he got arrested during his inauguration. (laughs) It happens to the best of us. Normal teens doing normal things. Yes, Um, there was a power struggle. Yeah, to answer your question, no. I don't think I would because um, even if she was real, I'd need to see that she's got some political uh, experience. Okay. Okay, you need to see a little bit more about her her policies. Yeah, if she's if she's like a senator first, then I'd think about it, and she could be. Oh if, yeah, if anyone on that show was going to be a senator, it would probably be her. Yeah, I think they could successfully change the laws about how old one needs to be to run for political office. Yes. So, <laughs> another prediction for season four: Great. Senator Betty. <laughs> uh, would you go to a yoga class taught by Archie Andrews? I would. Mm. So I just made a face. You like really a did. Real face there. Um, I'm so conflicted because on the one hand, I love to go to yoga class. And on the other, Archie seems like a very bad yoga teacher. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Well, you know what? Yeah, I would. And here's why. Because one of the best things about yoga class is that you can be like, you know what? Today I need to honor myself and I'm just going to lay down on the ground for the entirety of yoga class while everyone around me is like, 
you know, balancing on one leg and, you know, doing all crazy things. Um, so yeah, I, I would, and I would just like go and be in child's pose the whole time. <laughs> and what is child's pose? That's the one where you just lay down, um, with your hands out in front of you with like your face on a pillow. Okay. Just like, I can't take this anymore. <laughs> yeah. Just like I'm relaxing. I'm stretching out my, I'm stretching out my back a little. But it looks like I'm just done. Yeah, I'm 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 just kneeling on the ground, hugging a pillow. Okay, <laughs> I I think that's a I think that's a great answer. I think Archie might be good at yoga because he's been good at so many things. He might discover that. It's true. He seems to be very very good at many things. Yeah, he can't decide what he wants to do with his life. I find that very relatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I did ask you about which character you related to for teens but I didn't ask you for adults and I'm curious about that do any of the adults speak to you Mm, I mean they're all terrible in their own ways (laughs) um but I do um I don't know if I relate to her but I do like Archie's mom who's played by Molly Ringwald yeah just because I like Molly Ringwald a lot she's great um and I do like um I do like, without saying too much, I do like Betty's mom because we learn that she's pretty um, badass in the end. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I, I like I, I like both of them and I don't know that I relate to them necessarily, yeah. but I definitely enjoy them yeah. a lot. Okay. I can see uh, I can see you relating a little bit to uh, to Archie's mom because she, she does have this like, she seems fun, like she could really cut loose. Mm-hmm. But she also often is like, I'm busy doing lawyer things. Yeah. So she has that. Uh, so you know sort she's of, smart. Yeah, she's smart. And like, uh, uh, I, like, I have this job. I'm a professional. Mm-hmm. I hope we get to see more of her actually in the next season. I think we're going to. Yeah. yeah. I think, yes. Yeah. We'll have to. Yeah. Um, would you attend a Riverdale convention? Oh, um, <laughs> so... Large crowds make me nervous, but um, okay. I might. I might consider that. Um, conventions always remind me that I will never love the thing the most because there's always people that are so phenomenally good at, um, like, fandom things that um, that I am impressed and awed by them. Okay. So, like... I would go and just be like in total awe of the of how much people know and love and can cosplay as Cheryl, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So I would go. So it's, I would it's go. It's more about your relationship with conventions and fandom. Yeah, than it, Riverdale. Correct. Yeah. Like if I could just go, like if I could just go to a small gathering of people where we talk about Riverdale. Absolutely. I'm here for that. So like any chance to like talk about Riverdale, I'm here for. But yes, my relationship to conventions is fraught because I just lots of people yeah. make me nervous. I understand that lots of people make you nervous. That's just a thing. But I, I want to ask a little bit more about the being the best fan because it's a thing that happens a lot. Right. Is it? Do you feel like on an intellectual level, do you agree with the idea that everybody's fandom is their own and you don't have anything to prove you don't need to win a trivia to have contest to have the right to be at Riverdale yeah I do I do think that's right you don't have to be the best Riverdale fan to go to a Riverdale convention yeah um 
yeah <laughs> to go to jingle jangle con to, to go to to go to jj con <laughs> um fizzle rocks town um no i i don't think you have to be the the most the best the greatest the fastest the whatever yeah um, to enjoy and be a fan i think that's okay everyone yeah. gets to decide what like what level of fan engagement they want i think right but you but you what i'm driving at is you, so you think that but you still walking into a room you would still feel the yeah, um, are people going to accuse me of not being into Riverdale enough? No, so that's, I guess I should clarify, because I don't feel like anyone's ever going to accuse me of that. It's just a thing that I have become very aware of. Um, for example, I went to CatCon last year um, because the thing I love is cats. I love my cat. I love other cats. Um, and even at CatCon, I was like, whoa, people love cats they love cats um and so and it, it's more about my uh, like how impressed i am with other people yeah. and not that i think i am a bad cat fan um <laughs> or a bad riverdale fan or not worthy of being there i'm just always super impressed by by um how much people do sometimes yeah. Yeah. and like that that's and it makes me happy because like there's a thing that brings them joy in life and that's cool yeah i mean that's extra interesting with cats because like obviously you can memorize facts about what different kinds of cats and their fur growth and mm -hmm. famous cats throughout history but it's not it's not like Doctor Who. You can't be like, what year did cats come out? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and when can. did Calico regenerate into blah, blah, blah? You're like, right. there aren't those specific kind of uh, ner traditionally nerdy details. I mean, there's a lot of famous cats on the internet now, so you'd be surprised <laughs> okay. um, at the level of nerdery that can happen about cats. Okay. But yeah, it's not necessarily the same as like, I'm into the X-Men. Okay. Would you ever... If it was for like a a smaller gathering that, that you were excited about, would you ever want to cosplay as anyone from Riverdale? So it's funny. Whenever you ask me this question, I always am like, Joseph, I don't like <laughs> to wear costumes. However, uh, although I will say I did say I wanted to dress up like a building that one time. But I will say I think I would break my rule about not wanting to wear costumes specifically so that I could cosplay as Cheryl. Okay. I really, I if I'm going to cosplay, it's definitely going to be as Cheryl. Okay. Because she always gets the best weirdest outfits. Incredibly bizarre. Like, over and the which top. and which Cheryl outfit would I wear? Who knows? I could be like uh, the Hunter Cheryl. I could be um, cheerleader in morning Cheryl. Like, <laughs> I think I think there's yes. many options. I could be like Cheryl dressed in white that falls into the river like i could oh, be yeah. many there's so many cheryl's to be yeah i think i'd probably want to be cheerleader in morning cheryl though because it's just you it's get a, pretty great you get a cape you get to wear all black <laughs> i think she was wearing black lipstick it's a very goth oh, sort of yeah. look it's very i think what that's was... what i would go with yeah it was respectful morning yeah yeah very respectful i'm gonna be totally honest i know that we've talked about cosplay before and yeah. I, and I, so I might be repeating myself, in which case yeah. you can just say, you've already asked me that. Shut up. No. <laughs> <laughs> you have a sense of style. You have a sense of fashion. Well, so I you. feel like you, my perception is that you, especially for like a party, you are choosing what you wear. Oh, yeah. To be clear, um, I am very, I, I, I do feel very intentional about 
um, the outfits I wear on a day-to-day basis, which is part of why I don't like to wear costumes, actually, is because I... um, to borrow um, a phrase from Lil Edie from Great Gardens, every day I'm wearing my best costume of the day. Okay. Um, I've specifically chosen what I'm wearing for this occasion. And I have been known to dress subtly on theme with um, a thing. Right. You've dressed to match Hollyhock House when you're giving tours there, right? I have done that. Um, yes. And so I will subtly dress in theme of things Um without being super obvious about it. So I am very intentional when I pick out my outfits. Okay. Even if I'm not cos... Because I... And yeah. Yeah. It's not cosplaying. You're not trying to be something... Well, I would argue that then there are many days in your life we are kind of cosplaying... What if I was on Riverdale? Because <laughs> you're you're picking an attitude or something that you want to present, and you're you're going all the way with it. I could, and I haven't ever deliberately taken any um, inspiration from anyone on Riverdale in choosing my outfits, but maybe I will now that you say that. Okay, I'm intrigued by that idea. <laughs> Good. Um, would you buy and eat? frozen pops cheeseburgers if they were available as a thing to just buy (laughs) um so i yes i would because they also remind me of those like hockey puck cheeseburgers that you got to eat at school (laughs) lunch as a kid yeah and also i'm pretty sure i was just talking to a friend about this i'm fairly certain you can still get those exact frozen weird cheeseburgers on the dining car on the amtrak oh really hi yeah yeah yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So if you're still looking for frozen cheeseburgers, yeah. that's a good place to look. <laughs> Is that a kind of way that you would ever want to? I mean, we were talking about sort of the Stockholm Syndrome fun of feeling like I have surrounded myself. And that's obviously what a lot of fandom is. You want to mm-hmm. you want it to go into other aspects of your life. Is this eating Pops cheeseburgers? Is that a way that you would feel closer to the show? I mean... Maybe I think I I am waiting for since this seems to be a thing in our in our culture now. I'm waiting for someone to open Pop's Diner as a pop up place like yes. they did with the Max and like they did with the Peach Pit or I think the Peach Pit is still here. And the Double um, R from Peaks, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I I'm waiting for them to open up um, Pop's Diner and I absolutely would go to it and okay. i would enjoy the heck out of it okay yeah i would love that i think mm-hmm. i'm extra fascinated with the cheeseburgers because obviously this starts from the mm-hmm. comics and it build it builds on the essential truths of the characters right mm-hmm. but then it does go its own way so i just love that jughead is like a gang leader journalist you know uh crime investigator uh mm-hmm. and then also every once in a while like Oh, and he still likes cheeseburgers, too. Yep. And also, <laughs> cheeseburgers and milkshakes. They're yep. great. They're great. They're still good. So t- so tasty. Uh, these two games are real, so I'm wondering if you would ever want to play them. Okay. Riverdale Monopoly and Riverdale Clue. No and yes. <laughs> I don't. I think Monopoly is um, a terrible game. It's so slow. Yeah. So slow. Um, I had a friend once who proposed a a performance art piece where it was just going to be him and his friends playing a game of Monopoly until it ended. Like that was the show. And I'm like, that makes me tired just to think about it because you could go on for weeks with that. Um, But Clue, I love Clue very much. 
Clue the movie is my favorite movie. Oh, wow. Uh, I love Clue as a game. I think it's great. So, yes, um, I think Clue would also lend itself very well to Riverdale. Yeah. Or Riverdale would lend itself well to Clue. Either way, I think it's great. I love this idea. Awesome. Yeah. Have you ever played Monopoly without the general house rules of, you know, you put money into the community chest? Um, maybe. How yeah. Do, how does that change things, it, would you say? Uh, without that rule, it is brutal capitalism and it ends quickly and is devastating. I mean... Because it's just like the real world where somebody gets uh, down a little bit. And then another person gets richer and then just continues to crush yeah. them and grind them into dust. Well, and that's what the original intention of that game was when the lady invented it yeah. before they stole it from her. <laughs> um, she wanted to show that capitalism was bad. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then instead we have this game that we're all like, "Ugh, that goes on forever. But like, mm-hmm. uh-huh. And that's why we should have social services, right. <laughs> community funds to help Co- one another correct. when we're down. Because otherwise, the game ends. That's so hard-hitting right there, Joseph. Oh, thank you. Wow. (laughs) Oh. There there aren't as many life lessons in Clue, I don't think. No, just like, don't murder and maybe don't leave your candlesticks out. (laughs) Don't leave your murder objects just lying around. Put the murder objects I hadn't even thought about this, but if they did make a Griffins and Gargoyles game, would you play that? Or would you be afraid? Ooh, I mean, people get murdered a lot when they play that game, but I would play it. Okay. I would play it because they get to, like, do you get to do this in real role-playing games? Like, is there a lot of, like, drinking of potions? <laughs> they seem to drink a lot of potions when they're playing that game, which is intriguing to me. No, I mean, it, it, it has some relationship to real role-playing games. You can play role-playing games any way you want, right? Sure. But, yeah, I mean... There's not a lot of them just like checking their armor stats to see, you know, how many hits left they have before their shoulder plate falls off. It's more like drink a smoking fluid. <laughs> right. <laughs> and like, hunt a person in the woods, which <laughs> like, doesn't happen as often. Like many things in Riverdale, it's based on something in reality and then just taken yeah. over the top. Okay, that makes sense. I was like, <laughs> they drink so many, so many liquids. It's a lot, a lot of potions. Would you <laughs> name a child or a pet? After Riverdale, in some way. Oh, um, I get, maybe um, if if the name suited a pet, okay. perhaps I would name it um, Jughead, <laughs> like a little chunky gray cat, maybe. Okay. Um, maybe, maybe. But it, it'd be more of if it happens to match the cat. It's not something that yeah. you would want to. Sometimes the name chooses the pet. <laughs> I think that is wise. Uh, if aliens were visiting Earth and you got to greet them, would you show them an episode of Riverdale to explain human culture? No. <laughs> no. I mean, well, I mean, yeah, maybe, because then at least it's not, like, it probably, like, everything's real wacky in our world these days, so why not? Yeah. Why not? It's. I mean, it, it wouldn't harm... <laughs> wouldn't be any worse than any real stuff. <laughs> uh, do you feel like so? You're you're feeling that the real world makes the same amount of sense as an episode of Riverdale. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, All right. Sometimes, sometimes not. But <laughs> what do you think aliens would gather if you showed them an episode from just like the middle of season three? What assumptions would aliens make about us as a culture? I think they would think that adults are very evil. <laughs> Um, I think they would uh, wonder why we're always putting uh, people in jail 
<laughs> um, I think they would also wonder why we're hanging out in underground bunkers drinking potions. <laughs> like, they'd probably start looking for us in underground bunkers. Yeah, the, all the humans live in underground bunkers. Drink. Secret ones. Secrets. That everyone knows about. Yeah. Uh, final Helm says, are you question? It, it, you've been asked this before. If you were about to watch season four of Riverdale, but a bear came into your apartment and stole your remote, would you try to get your remote back from the bear? Mm, I mean, can I call my friend Archie to fight the bear? <laughs> because if so, then yes. I don't feel like I'm equipped to fight a bear. Okay. Um, but if I can phone a friend, then yes. Okay. Because I, I do really want to watch the new season yeah. of Riverdale. I'm excited. What if it was a person dressed as a bear? <laughs> then 1,000%, yeah. <laughs> you would fight that person. No question about it. <laughs> I'd actually maybe just invite them to watch Riverdale with me. Actually, come to think of it, I'd invite the bear too. Oh, hey, bear. Yeah, just do you sit want, down and watch? Let's, let's watch Riverdale together. It's a wholesome program. <laughs> it would be so great if I suddenly saw a bear live tweeting Riverdale. Look, wow, it came true. That's the content we need. <laughs> Uh, I asked everyone to make a noise to sum up their obsession. What kind of noise does Riverdale make you emit? Um, oh. <laughs> and are, those are good noises for you? Yeah, I mean, yes, because that's usually the noise I'm making when something happens. I'm like, ah, what just, woof, what happened? <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> On a scale of 1 to 10, uh, what do you think your rating is obsession-wise? One, 1 lowest, 10 highest. Where do you put yourself? Um, I'm going to go with like a solid like 7.5 to 8, I think. Okay. Um, yeah. Is it just because like when you're engaged, you're that much engaged? There's that. I think I've also convinced... A number of people you included mm-hmm. to watch this show, so I feel like um, I am certainly an evangelist of it. Yeah, which feels like it should count for something. <laughs> you get at least two obsessed numbers from that. Yeah, yeah. And you actually convinced me to watch it and then to keep watching it because it had been on my radar because of the Twin Peaks connection. You're like, give it a try. And the first couple episodes, I I struggled with a little you partially because like, my own baggage. Yeah, you and were you're like, like Jen, it gets so weird. Yeah, you were like, Jen, I don't know. And I'm like, no, stick with it, <laughs> stick with it. And it got me. Mm-hmm. It got me so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else that you wanted to share about Riverdale that we didn't touch on? I mean, there's just like a thousand things you could say, right? But I think, um, no, we we've talked about all of my favorite wacky wacky moments. Um, how, yeah. Okay, cool. Can you tell people where they can find you on the old internet? Yeah. um, Let's see. So you can find me on all of the usual social medias at at Stars and Jen's Eyes um, is where I'm usually to be found. Cool, cool. Any uh, projects that you want people to know about, or is that not kind of how your job is working right now? That's not that's not my job per se, but um, you can always come visit me at Hollyhock House and take a tour. I'd love to show you some architecture. <laughs> <laughs> and if somebody sees you there and tries to bring up Riverdale, how's that? Is that 
I would say let's talk after the tour about our favorite parts of Riverdale. Okay, cool. Here are some quick plugs for this show, and then we'll do our final weird questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host that is called Four Center. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can also support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. All right, final questions. Don't have anything to do with anything. Uh, would you rather be able to shoot which of these two things out of your hands? Lightning or breakfast cereal? Um, breakfast cereal because <laughs> it's delicious. It, do you still uh, enjoy breakfast cereal? I don't. I, I, have, <laughs> I don't. I'm boring. I have the same breakfast every day, and it's not breakfast cereal. What is it? It's two scrambled eggs. Some fancy yogurt from the farmer's market, and usually like a plum or a peach <laughs> piece of fruit. That's a really specific healthy breakfast. That's like... <laughs> it's super wholesome. I. It's really... It's kind of like how Steve Jobs wears a uniform every day, and it just made his life easier. Yeah. Eating the same breakfast every day has made my life a lot more streamlined. Oh, I totally relate to that, because mm-hmm. I have I've had this conversation with my wife, Sarah, of like, I'm trying to be better about being creative about food, mm-hmm. but I'm being creative about other things, so I'm just like, pizza. Yeah, yeah, because when you don't <laughs> have to think idea. about it, yeah. it can just be. Yeah, yeah, and I have enjoyed many frozen pizzas while watching Riverdale. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you enjoy breakfast cereal as a kid? I, I did. I loved breakfast cereal as a kid. Um, yeah, it was uh, like any any whatever the new flavor was. I was like, Mom, I want that one. Give me that one. Like, yeah. And I feel like they have just iterated on breakfast cereal in like new and wacky, wonderful ways. So maybe it's time to revisit yeah. breakfast cereal. Yeah. I, I have this, like, uh, I don't eat them either, just because I think I just don't. There's literally no nutritional value. There's no it. nutritional value, and then I just feel like it's a race against time before it gets too soggy. It's like, yeah, yeah, which, you know, should be exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still love looking at them, and I, like, remember the joy of having a new specific oh, yeah. breakfast cereal. And I just like how, like, the Halloween season, so great, mm. when you got Tony the Tiger dressed up as a vampire. <laughs> Just like, what is this? Sure. What's going on? (laughs) Uh, Speaking of Halloween times, uh, if every full moon you turned into a wear something, what would you want to turn into? Hmm. 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 I think I would want to turn into, um, oh, uh, like a a wear, a wear Cheryl from Riverdale. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Dark werewolf Cheryl. <laughs> so you would just be Cheryl for three days? I mean, but all like, yeah, but also like, yeah, yeah. But, but can I also be a little bit of a werewolf yes. and Cheryl, like a combo of the two? Okay, so you are you are were Cheryl. Yeah, like okay. literally a, like a werewolf and Cheryl because I want to have like werewolf powers, but also I want to be able to hunt people with a bow and arrow <laughs> and wear cool outfits. The visual... Of that, of just like, I'm going to go into a hike into Griffith and then seeing like, oh my God, is that a werewolf in an amazing outfit? Yes. <laughs> Do they have a bow and arrow? <laughs> Must be where Cheryl. <laughs> Must be where Cheryl. Uh, oh, and the song and dance. Amazing. Hooray. Uh, final question for everyone on the podcast, which you've answered before. What is happiness? 
happiness is getting to watch uh, a dumb teen program if you feel like it or getting to like watch your favorite TV show every week. Yeah. That's one little part of happiness. And is it happier to you to have a show in which you are deeply engaged on like multiple levels or is it happier for you to just feel like in escape like you opened a door from the real world and stepped into something else i do like the fantasy aspect of it there's yeah. something about getting to escape from whatever your life is and whatever you're thinking about that day yeah with right. something weird and wacky and wonderful <laughs> okay i think i uh tried to convince you to say happiness is escapism which i didn't mean to <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong though <laughs> fair enough thank you so much for talking with me about riverdale yes thank you so much that is our podcast you've been listening to obsessed joseph scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest rate five stars if you're impressed and here's another thing trader joe's had to put out a statement that their jingle jingle candy is not drugs <laughs>